When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the number one ranked show. I am your host, RJ Young, and we have a frosty show in the dead of summer for you. We'll also be joined by the legend himself, Jackson State head coach, Deion Sanders, and we'll talk about the new sheriff on the 40 acres. So before Nebraska, Illinois kicked off the 2021 college football season, Scott Frost had already made history. He began the game with the second worst winning percentage among Huskers head coaches who have had the privilege to keep their job for more than three years. Frost's winning percentage since 2018 is 37.5%. He's 12 and 21 at Nebraska and 9 and 18 in Big Ten play. Put another way, Frost won 13 games in one season at Central Florida but he's won a total of 12 games in three years at Nebraska. But the Huskers are 14-0 all-time in August, or they were. And Frost is 1-0 in August as head coach at Nebraska, or he was. Having made it to year four, Frost is the first Huskers head coach to begin his first three years with a losing record since Bill Jennings held the same dubious honor from 1957 to 1959. Nebraska's 30 to 22 loss to Illinois in a game where odds makers favored the Huskers by seven points also means his program is the first to lose back-to-back games to the Illini since 1924. All of this begs a very obvious question. How did we get here? Well, let's start with Nebraska, Illinois 2021 and work back. Okay. The first point scored in Big Ten play this season came off of a safety. Not the position, but the scoring play. Punter Blake Hayes used every bit of a six-foot-six frame to pin the Huskers back deep against their goal line, but it was too good. It was good enough to fall into the end zone as a touchback all by itself. But then Cam Taylor Britt decided he was going to field it anyway. And while backing up, in his own end zone. And he put his knee down, but not before. He tried to, he tried an illegal forward pass off of a punt. It, it results in the, the referee doing one of these. My God, look, I had hoped that this being the first scoring play of 2021 would also mean that we're about to see some real 2007 type stuff because the Illini led the Huskers. Two to zero because we're playing baseball in Illinois. All right. So Brandon Peters goes down, unfortunately, gets crunched in between two Husker defensive linemen, DeAndre Thomas and Garrett Nelson. And he leaves the game for which it felt like Nebraska's defense was about to take this game and shut it all the way down. Okay. Nebraska scores. They go up nine to two, right? At one point, they're, they're leading this thing. They get a turnover. 
They get the ball back. And then this man, Adrian Martinez, who somehow had 232 yards passing and 112 on the ground, fumbled the football, and it resulted in a stupid score. Look at my man's running away with the ball. And you're going to halftime as a Nebraska fan going, how are we down 16 to 9 here? We were supposed to be leading this game. And if I'm Scott Frost, I got to be so angry because my defense is playing lights out football, at least for the time being. And my quarterback sees the ghost of Sam Darnold every time he drops back to pass. He is an RPO option quarterback. He is not supposed to be back there carving up defenses, which reminds me. Remember when Joe Burrow didn't get an offer from Nebraska, even though he wanted to play at Nebraska. And all he did was go to LSU win a national championship, win the Heisman Trophy, put together one of the greatest seasons of all time. Nebraska, this could be you, but you playing. Meanwhile, Art Sitowski settled in and completed his first 11 of 13 passes for 121 yards, two tutties. He came off the bench because apparently Brett Bielema wanted to give Nebraska a head start because I'm looking at this going, why was Sikowski in here the whole time? I get that he transferred in for Rutgers, but he's obviously better than what you got. And he is primarily responsible for turning Nebraska into a volleyball school. Because that's who Nebraska is now. I can't shake the feeling that a Brett Bielema team that managed to put up 30 points in three quarters of football feels like an Oklahoma football team coached by Lincoln Riley that puts up 60 because that's just not what you expect from a Bielema run it, run it, and run it again type of offense, okay? So now we got to talk about Illinois vaulting to the top of the Big Ten West standings for now. But what about Nebraska? (laughs) What happened to Nebraska? First, some perspective. From 1970 to 2014, Nebraska football posted a record of 440, 120, and 5. The Huskers are one of the four winningest programs of the last 50 years, basically since integration. Indeed, the list of college football's winningest programs in the last half century goes like this. Check this graphic, man. Alabama is the first with 495 wins. Ohio State is the second with 490. Oklahoma is the third with 482. And Nebraska is fourth with 471 wins. You'll notice in the graphic, every single one of those programs, except Nebraska, is ranked inside the top five of the preseason AP and my rankings. Insult to injury. I don't think anybody makes Nebraska one of the top 50 programs in the entire sport of college football, let alone a top 25 one. But since 2015, Nebraska is 31 and 40. In fact, since Tom Osborne's retirement, the Huskers have lost more than three games in 19 to 23 seasons. For perspective, Osborne never lost more than three games between 1973 and 1997. It means that the man absolutely was crushing. If that feels like it was 24 years ago when Frost himself quarterbacked Nebraska to a national title, that's because it is. But most of you know these spurts of putrid play have been few and far between at Nebraska. And Huskers fans have remained loyal. So loyal, in fact, that Nebraska fans have sold out their stadium for every single game since 1962. 
But when your 2020 team goes two and six and put up few points, the fewest per game in any season since 1969, when, you know, we landed on the moon, coupled with five years of awful to mediocre football, you endanger a streak that started when Jack Kennedy was president. Johnny Carson began hosting the tonight show and Nick Saban turned 11. But following epic 2017, when Frost led central Florida, to an undefeated season and a national title. Yeah, I said it. Most expected a return to glory with his move to Nebraska. And he wasn't about to fix what wasn't broken. Frost built a winner in Florida, recruiting Florida kids. He decided to do the same at Nebraska. The Huskers signed 14 players from the Sunshine State in Frost's first four recruiting classes in Lincoln. That number includes six in the 2018 class and seven in the 2021. Among the Big Ten's 14 teams, the Huskers ranked number four in three consecutive recruiting cycles. So why isn't the sunshine strategy working at Nebraska like it did at a non-Power 5 school in Florida? Because for the strategy to work at Nebraska, those players got to stay at Nebraska, and they haven't. Heading into the opener against Illinois, only one Florida recruit was listed on Nebraska's two-deep depth chart. Five of the six 2020 Florida signees transferred, and that includes two before their freshman seasons even began. In 2021, five of the players Nebraska signed hailed from the state of Nebraska, and that's a solid pivot strategy. I have long thought that the backbone of every good college football team is a vertebrae native to the state, but... Frost might not have enough time to, you know, see that back built out. But on the other sideline, Bielamo was dealing with a dubious honor that Illinois had. Illinois has won nine of its last 10 season openers, but the Illini has not posted a winning record since 2007. And Bielema is trying to become the first Illinois head coach to put together a winning season in his first year at Illinois since Lou Tepper performed the feat nearly 30 years ago in 1992. Bielema is 1-1, 1-0, and and excuse me. So that's, yeah, pretty good start. But to recap, the first Big Ten game of the season had a safety, an illegal forward pass on a punt return, two missed extra points, a 75-yard touchdown run, a scoop and score, a snap over a QB's head, and a team nearly overcoming a 21-point deficit, and it's only week zero. As for Nebraska, it has games against number two, Oklahoma, number four, Ohio State, number 12, Wisconsin, and number 18, Iowa, still on the schedule. Oklahoma hasn't instituted the mercy rule since the Sooners stomped a mud hole in and walked dry, Texas A&M 770 in 2003, the infamous knee game. Nebraska might force them to bring the mercy rule back. Okay, elsewhere, getting buck and flowing to the football, UCLA took the Rainbow Warriors to the woodshed and didn't stop beating on them until they spat up Skittles. The final score is 44 to 10, but it wasn't nearly that close. The Bruins played like they had a point to prove. Since taking the job at UCLA, Chip Kelly has beaten USC and two ranked teams but he has yet to beat a non-conference opponent. Heading into the 2021 season, he was 10-21 and 0-6 in out-of-conference play. However, 
with 20 starters returning, UCLA took that 0-6 out-of-conference record, stuffed it all in a 55-gallon drum labeled a whooping, and poured it all on Hawaii. UCLA scored 24 points in the first quarter and 20 in the third, and on six of their first nine possessions. They put up over 200 yards rushing, and Michigan transfer Zach Charbonnet put up 106 yards rushing with just six rush attempts by himself. Defensively, UCLA allowed three points in the first half and one TD all game. The challenge for the Bruins, though, is to do it again against a class opponent in number 16 LSU right here on Fox. Fresno State, they put up 538 yards of offense and 45 points scored on UConn. Fresno State allowed just 107 yards and not a single point scored defensively. Means Fresno State has the number one scoring offense and the number one scoring defense in the entire country and beat the New York Times 2020 national champion demonstrably. Fresno State plays number 11 Oregon on Saturday. So if they beat Oregon, crown them. And finally, HBCU is on the menu. The Swag Miak Challenge featured North Carolina Central and Alcorn State means folks got to see NCCU take the field for the first time in 644 days, and they got a W, their first one since November 2nd, 2019, when they beat Howard. Kudos to the Eagles. And now, since we talking HBCU, let's go talk to Coach Prime himself, the legend, Jackson State head coach, Deion Sanders. I'm here with Coach Deion Sanders, or as I like to call him, I'm sure his players do, Coach Prime. Coach, how you doing? I'm doing wonderful, man. Thank you for having me. Now, I appreciate you for being here. Uh, coach, I understand you're doing some really great work with HBCUs in partnership with Aflac. Could you tell us more about that? Well, first and foremost, I'm excited. I'm elated. When I got a call that said there was a potential deal with with Aflac and Coach Nick Saban. I'm like, oh, oh excuse me. You say, you say what? That so you gonna put me on a commercial with Coach Nick Saban, and we're gonna talk about a company that's been blessing HBCUs for over 20 years. We're gonna talk about a company that has stood in the gap when insurance companies don't cover these expensive. Aflac stands in the gap a lot, like what I'm trying to do with HBCU. So. You, you you gonna do that, and I know you've been supporting uh, the hood for over twenty, and then you have a diverse staff at Aflac too. Sign me up, started. <laughs> I'm ready to go. Let's go. Turn the cameras on right now, and they did. And the commercials are phenomenal. I cannot wait for you to see them. And we we brought that culture in it with the bands, you know, the the bling. We we brought my thing in it, and uh, I'm excited. I'm excited. But while delivering the message as well right on coach i i wanted to see if that message gets to your players about what jackson state was about because between 1963 and 1972 we talk about three dozen players drafted by the afl and nfl i think 1968 saw 11 alone i want to know from you when i can expect those kinds of numbers from jackson state again hopefully real real soon because that's all i came for but you got to understand a win ain't a win for me What's the win for me? If we win the swag, is that a win and no one goes pro? If we go pro, uh, several guys go pro and we don't win the swag, is that a win for me? So is that a win, is that a win for me for, for a multitude of our players not to go into the professional, not football, but professional workforce at six figures a, a, a year? That's the way I think, man. I, I, I want a whole broad 
uh, arena of winning. I want some of these kids, 97% of these kids probably won't go to play professional football. Why can't they be a pro? Why can't they go into uh, communities and be a, a, a resounding sounding board and a pillar of consistency? Because that's what they are. That's what we, they've been taught to be on time. They, they've been taught to be smart, tough, fast, disciplined. That sounds like a wonderful employer one day to me. And that's what we're trying to do. Uh, I played with some of those guys that some of the numbers you just saw regurgitated about these guys going into the NFL at uh, the Atlanta Falcons and other professional teams. HBCU was a normalcy of guys coming to the pro. What happened? Where did we get out? Where, where do we take the left instead of staying right? I'm here and I've been called by God to get us back on the course. What I seen in the spring was phenomenal. I seen some kids that could flat out play. I seen some kids that had the knowledge of the game. I seen some coaches that can coach they butts off. But guess what? It wasn't no light. It wasn't no light. So when they shine, nobody saw it. So if God is using me as well as you as a vehicle to shine that light on man, so let it be. So let it be. Coach, uh, last question I have for you is, what does it say about the state of HBCU fo football today that the headline for Tennessee State versus Jackson State is yourself and Eddie George? This is a lot. Mm. I, don't, I don't care how they get there. Let's just get them there. Mm. I, I don't care how they get there. Let's get them there. So if you want to use us as a conduit to attract the television networks, the sponsors, because we're, you're talking about two reputable guys, reputable guys that really played at a high level. Um, if that, what is, what's it, what it is, so let it be. Now, once we get that attention and we refocus it on our kids, on our bands, on our alumni, on the stadiums that we need, on the resources that we're trying to attain, so let it be. The Bible says God uses the foolish things to confound the wise. And if I have to be one of the foolish things to confound the wise, so let it be. Coach, I really appreciate this. I can't tell you what it means to me to be able to do this with you. And I wish you the best of luck this season. Thank you so much. And don't let this be the last time. Please, sir. I don't have to come to the table with Affleck to get to you. I need to get to you when I want to get to you. All right. Well, you need to get to me when you want to get to me. Can we do that? Yes, sir. We can. Yes, sir. We can. God bless you, my man. I appreciate you. You too, coach. Have All a good day. Right. Yo, hey, look. Dion said he want to get to me. Do, 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 I, it's on tape. It's on tape. Look, one of, one of the things I always want to do, no matter circumstance, to talk to prime time. Neon Dion, the man that can walk. He can wear these sweats backward and run a 40 and 44 seconds. I'm just, I get flustered thinking about just how much fun that was for me and how I prepared for it. And he was gracious. He was kind. I got Bible verse quoted to me. I got told what the program was about. Yes, I sincerely hope that is not the last time that I get to talk with Deion Sanders about anything, let alone Jackson State football. But from that high, on the mountaintop, we got to, we got to humble. We got to humble ourselves. And by ourselves, I mean me. Uh, yeah. Whew. Let's talk about this Texas starting quarterback. How about that? Imagine going 8 to 10 for 170 with four TDs and a passer rating of 354.8 in relief at a bowl game and not being named the starting quarterback the next year. That's exactly what happened to Casey Thompson. Thompson was a blue chip prospect out of Newcastle, Oklahoma, with a father who once played quarterback at Oklahoma 
and had an offer in hand to OU, Thompson opted to commit and enroll at Texas. He fought Cam Rising, a former OU commit, and now Utah quarterback for the backup job early in his career. But he was frustrated enough, backing up Sam Ellinger, that he entered the transfer portal in early 2020. Tom, Term Tom Herman talked him out of the portal with the knowledge that Ellinger was playing his last year at UT. Thompson went through 2020 as the backup when he came on to extend Texas's 24-17 lead to a 55-23 route. The job looked like it was his, and I said as much. Then Herman got fired. Then, then Steve Sarkeesian, he, he got hired. And now Hudson Card, he, 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 he the guy uh, ahead of Texas versus number 23, Louisiana on Saturday. It also means that my number one duo in the sport is broken in half. Like, so check the graphic here. You'll see Case Thompson at top, Bijan Robinson right there, Spencer Rattler, Marvin Mims, DJ Uwe Ungalale, and Justin Ross. And then you'll see Derek King and Charles Rambo. Then you'll see Bryce Young and John Mechie. Yeah, I, I did that. And that's, that's, that's what I do. Like, I sit here. And I tell you what I think. I study. Sometimes I get it wrong. This is one of those times when I got it wrong. Hope Hudson Card goes out there and lights it up. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Yeah. Hope it don't happen too much, though. Last Monday, Minnesota coach P.J. Fleck didn't mince words about the challenge his defensive backfield faces on Thursday against number four Ohio State. He said, quote, they're a really good football team really well coached they've got explosive playmakers everywhere this wide receiver core they have might be the best wide receiver core I've ever seen in one football team see Fleck knows what I know the two guys on the numbers Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave they're AP first team All-America selections and the guys behind them include former five stars Julian Fleming Anameka Egbuka and Blue Chips Marvin Harrison Jr. and Jackson Smith and Jigba. And when they're not out in patterns, there's Master Teague, Mayan Williams, and former five-star Travion Henderson running between the tackles, all while former Elite 11 MVP C.J. Stroud orchestrates the offense. While it's true this will be the first time in 50 years that Ohio State started a quarterback who hasn't thrown a single pass in college, there's no reason to not think that Stroud isn't going to be Lewis Hamilton in a Formula One Mercedes-Benz car. But if Minnesota, with the best running tailback in the conference, in Mo Ibrahim, can control the rock, they might not get that many opportunities to open up that Mercedes-Benz. That also means that Minnesota has to run against Larry Johnson Sr.'s defensive line. Good luck. And then, you know, hopefully they can exploit a brand spanking new linebacker core. There's a good way to go about doing this if you're Minnesota, but it involves you controlling the rock, keeping it out of the hands of this Ohio State offense. I don't care if it's your grandmama at quarterback. They're going to get their points if you give them the rock, and you're going to have to exploit the younger players on that Ohio State defense, right? On the one hand, yes, they are super talented. On the other hand, we saw Michael Penix Jr. hit him for 495 through the air. We saw Mac Jones take him apart. And they got a little bit younger. All of that linebacking core is gone, right? So if you get past the line of scrimmage into the second level with Mo Ibrahim, you got a shot. Tanner Morgan takes his shots, hits his shots. You can win this game. But 
I think this is going to be Ohio State running away with its first win on a big Thursday night game. I'm so excited about this. And I will be there in Minneapolis at the press box watching this game. I will tell you what I see, what I hear firsthand when I see you guys. Speaking of which, week zero was fun. And the Labor Day weekend is filled with football beginning Wednesday with UAB Jacksonville State and going all the way through Monday with Louisville Ole Miss, the number one ranked show hosted by me, RJ Young. Our lead producer, excuse me, is Catherine Donnelly. Our director is John Marcus. Our social media manager is Javion Duncan. Our editor is Atang Tejano. And our executive producer is Kristen Herlihy. We will see y'all next week on September 5th, where we will talk about the full slate of games. All right, that is it for me. Doses.